I'm basically happy to intro this in the sense of why I suggested we should have a conversation, but you might want to chuck in some stuff first about hi, this is HPR or whatever. Well, now you get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah, that's um, all we really need. This is uh, Hacker Public Radio. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, I'm Pokey, and with me is John O'Bacon and Ack. Hello. Hello. <laughs> This is this is this is rather marvelous. Um and I have to say I'm now fulfilling a responsibility since Ken has been on at me for I was going to say months, but probably years. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, that, that, that I should do something on HPR. So here I am doing it. Yes. Fabulous. And no one on the internet cared. <laughs> you can still say months even though it's been several dozen of them. <laughs> I, I I see your plan. Um yeah, I was listening to, uh, you guys did a show just after the new year. I forget the exact date. And unusually, um, I get a little way into a show and then discover there's a whole segment about me, which was rather worrying. <laughs> um, and I started listening to it and I thought, now, hang on, this isn't right. And uh, And so I thought... Uh, so, so something in between a useful conversation and a right to reply <laughs> might be haveable. Um, so I'll summarize the conversation. Then uh, Pokey, do please jump in if you think I'm misrepresenting. Yeah, um, let me let me just add to your preface there and say that it was show fourteen eighteen, I believe. It was recorded on New Year's Eve. We did the twenty four hour, which is really like. Tw- 36 hours, it turns out to be. The marathon. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it's a marathon live streaming uh, show that we do. It's our it's our third year, and we started at 12 hours and went to 24 hours. And then this year, uh, 26 to include all the time zones, plus I don't know how much after show. And um, and I don't know the exact date that it um, got pushed out as a podcast because it was cut up into smaller segments. So if you're looking for the part that we're talking about tonight, uh, it is show 1418. And you can see right in the show notes, it says that um, a discussion, uh, uh, you know what? I don't know what the show notes say. I forget now. But uh, so that's that. Apparently I, I ran my mouth more than I should have. And uh, both John and Ack wanted to have a go at me. So here I am. <laughs> um uh, well um I, ordinarily i would say no 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 no. that's not how it is but it's a little bit how it is <laughs> uh, <laughs> um what i thought was interesting uh despite the um combination of cringing embarrassment and huge ego boost that there was half our conversation dedicated to me and bacon <laughs> um <laughs> Was the the overall thrust of the conversation? I think was that uh, many years ago we started Lug Radio in. When did we start? Two thousand and four. Two two thousand and four. Yeah, I think. God, it, it. Well, it'd been in it been in conception for a while, hadn't it? But yeah, it was. Yeah, we that... actually we actually decided to stop being lazy and do something in two thousand and four. <laughs> Absolutely, um, and it would be reasonable, I think, to state that for at least the first few years of lug radio and continuing beyond that i was the 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 flag bearer the torch carrier for the idea of free software above everything else yeah the the voice of reason i like to call it (laughs) (laughs) Um, and and certainly at the time i mean i said at the time and i've said since that the only 
reasonable position to take on free software is that of a fire-breathing zealot. Um, if you if you actually believe this stuff, you should not allow yourself to compromise. Um, since uh, well, um, the conversation then went on from saying that that was the case, which I would agree with, and saying that John I disagree with me, which I would also agree with, to saying that I've since changed and moderated my view somewhat, which is also the truth, and then blaming John for bullying me into it, which I believe is emphatically not the truth. <laughs> I just want it noted for the record, by the way, that I've been threatening him all week to come on this to say this. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Why change the habit of a lifetime, you know? <laughs> um, this is the thing. Um, I... Part of the reason I was so annoyed when I was listening to the podcast was that I don't think I like the idea that me changing my mind has to have happened because I was right and then I was bullied into believing something that I don't actually believe, which I don't think is the case at all. I mean, I think think my view has changed and... I'd be the first to say that my view has moved quite a bit closer to where Jono's is today, but I don't think it's because Jono told me to think it. Um, I mean, I, I, one of the things that I thought would be useful in this conversation would be to lay out why my view has changed and what the differences are. Yeah. But, but first of all, Pokey, do, am I uh, misrepresenting your opinion here? Um. No, not. I don't say you, I wouldn't say you're misrepresenting it. I I um. I don't know if I meant to say that John bullied you into believing what you're uh, what you, you believe now. But and, and I may have you you none, you nonetheless did say that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it should be noted that that was precisely what you said. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't take anything personally. You know, they very rarely take anything personally from what people say about me. You know, it's the nature of life. But the without without distracting from the topic too much, I was equally when I when I first heard the show because Ken has been mentioning it for a while. I thought oh, I'm going to go and check the show out. I was quite surprised to hear. I can understand if you just said, you know, John would have been, you know banging on about his perspectives about it and maybe maybe dominating Lug Radio more than he should have done. Um, I the, think that's fair to say, but. But the thing, the thing that surprised me was the term bullying, I think, is a rather extreme way of describing it. And secondly, I would argue that anybody who has heard more than a little bit of Lug Radio will know that both Ak and I dominated Lug, Lug Radio. Like, I would, if someone was to tot up the amount of airtime that we had, I would say that it's relatively equal. Um, and anyone who's met Ak before will know that he is, he is his own man. He is his own person, you know. He, no, Aki is unbelievable. From, 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 from the amount of time that I've known him, he is an unbelievable person. Um, he is a man who will change his mind, change his perspectives based upon new information, which I admire in him. But I was, like I say, I was kind of a little saddened by the way it was port- the way I was portrayed. Uh, uh, it, it seemed a little unfair to me. Um, and as I said to you guys on email, um, that if I had anything to apologize for, I'd do it 
publicly. So I do apologize then for using the word bully. I'm very glad to hear what you just said um, about, you know, and that you're both in agreement that that it wasn't uh, as extreme as as bullying. Um, And it was a poor choice of words on my part. And I apologize for that. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, apology accepted. Um, yeah. That that was your full-throated kick in the nuts about the word bullying. Um, the rest of I hope this... there's more kicks in the nuts, because this is... Uh, uh, well, what well, else would this be? Well, the, 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 the rest of it is um, I, I thought I'd outline why my view has changed, and you can then have a crack at telling me why I'm wrong. Yeah, and the other thing as well, I think that to, to get into that as well is that there is a lot more context than just lug radio. Um, <laughs> I mean, when I lived in England, it happens a little bit less these days. But when I lived in England, Ak and I would spend literally hours on the phone. I mean, it, I remember some uh, to the point where we'd spend so long on the phone, the phone battery on my on my phone, you know, like my cordless phone, would run out of batteries because we'd we'd get into a debate and. And it would last sometimes upwards of three or four hours, um, which sounds like an exaggeration, but it really isn't. It, and it, it, was, it really is. <laughs> it, it was, and it was always very respectful, but it was always, we were playing chess with each other. So I think one thing to bear in mind a little bit, as Ak explains like how his perspectives have changed, is that it wasn't just what you heard on the show. A lot of people have commented over the years who, who know us have said, you know, Lug Radio re- really is just the bit when they switch the mics on. Like, they're like that all the time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's very true. We'd have our own two-man version of Lug Radio pretty much most days. So I just wanted to throw that out there, that it's not just the show that, that as Ak has adjusted his perspectives, I, it's not just the show. I mean, I've adjusted my perspectives as well. It's not all one way. And, and Ak, you didn't bring this up, but uh, I will. I was... I listened back. I said I would listen back to it to to see what I had said, and I I, uh, I was much harsher on Jono than I meant to be, and I'll apologize for that. And I'll also say that just you contacting us and asking to come on and discuss it with me, Jono, has brought my opinion of you up a great deal. It's it's. I appreciate that. Man. Yeah, and I I was I was too harsh on you, uh, and and I guess that's obvious and. You know, because I use the word bully when I shouldn't have and probably didn't even mean to. Well, and, you know, and, you know, just to be clear as well, like when, when Ak and I heard this and uh, our goal here is not, not retribution or anything like that. Just it's. Uh, I knew it was. You know, I was only kidding about that. You know, it's, it's I think a lot of it is just it's always fun to kind of be in the same room as someone who has a different perspective to you. That's one of the reasons why him and I get on so well in the first place. Um, and we, you know, you're a yeah. smart guy, you know, you've got a great reputation. We thought this could be fun, a fun way to kind of like get all that out on the table and have a chat about it. So that's kind of flattering. I didn't realize I had any reputation. I'd say so. You're on HBR, right? For a start. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with Jono. And to be honest with you, um, uh, the two different sides of the uh, the conversation about which we're commenting here. I was considerably more annoyed by your portrayal of Jono than I was about your portrayal of my views, because I'm perfectly confident in my ability to defend my own viewpoint. Right? Not a problem. Um, uh, those people who have met me or have listened to Lug Radio or other stuff that I've done or whatever um, will probably be aware that I have no problem 
or I am entirely prepared to defend my own viewpoint, even if I get told that I'm wrong at the end of it. Um, but yes, yeah, so apology accepted. That's all good. Absolutely. Well, thanks, guys. It's uh, very nice. Very, very honorable of you. Thank you. Well, I mean, and without wishing to turn this into the Brady Bunch, it was in a likewise manner. I, the thing that got me about about it was less about, I mean, look, I work in a fairly public position. People talk crap about me all the time. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that is nothing new. But it was, the thing that got me was, it was the way, in some ways, Ack was portrayed as an empty vessel. Not so much, I, don't, I think that's, a, that's an unfair characterizing the way you, you, you portrayed him, but that he was... Uh, that he was bendable to, to my whims or to my influences more so than he actually is. So I think, I think it's kind of a, a, a kind of a mutual thing. I think it was the, the way we both reacted. But anyway, so maybe you should provide a bit of context around how you have changed your perspectives over the years. Oh uh, yeah, no, I, 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 th- I think that's reasonable. Um, I, I want to get back to that part afterwards, but go ahead. Just remind yeah. me of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this has been, a 10-15-year uh, journey for me to arrive at where I am today. Um, and I'm I'm not wholly sure of all of my arguments here, but I am wholly sure that where I am, I'm reasonably happy with. Now, I still use open source stuff for everything. Uh, I'm, I mean, I, I worked for Canonical for a bit and that was great. And then I left and now run my own business. Um, still run everything on Ubuntu. Um, a few people have said they were surprised because, I mean, I, I left, set up my own business and I'm mainly doing web stuff now. And a fair few people said they were surprised that the instant I left Canonical, I didn't go out and buy a Mac. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, and, I mean, I, I, and, and to be honest with you, um, there is a, small cost to me, not in terms of money, but in terms of fitting in with the overall mise-en-scene of what I do, because I don't have a Mac and everyone else does, which means that the tools they're all talking about um, and uh, the, the the little bits of information they're swapping and the software they're using is not the software I'm using because I'm not on a Mac, I'm on Ubuntu. Um, I'm in the same position as someone who has a Mac and hangs out with gamers, you know, that you can do the basic stuff, but um, but when you start getting into it, you're to some extent forging your own path. Now, that doesn't bother me. Um, and that extra little bit of cost to me, I have no problem with because I'm using Ubuntu. I don't want a Mac, right? Believe in open source software, <laughs> so I, I I I use Ubuntu every day. I've got uh, hang on, I've got this laptop just about to buy another machine. I've got the uh, machine plugged into the television, um, and I've got the server downstairs. They're all Ubuntu. The machine plugged into the television upstairs isn't running Ubuntu only because it's a Raspberry Pi and Alan Bell hasn't finished the port yet. <laughs> um, so whole house is open source, right? Phones, I'll come back to in a minute. The thing that's changed about my viewpoint is not how much, in my opinion at least, things change about my viewpoint is not how much I believe in open source and what I'm doing. Uh, what's changed is how I approach other people to convince them. Because the fundamental 
thing which got me out of the evangelism business and made me annoyed with people who evangelize at me is that shouting at people doesn't work. I used to think it would. And if you if you lined up me and 2004 me and uh, attempted to draw the most obvious difference between our viewpoints is that 2004 me thought that if someone wasn't using free software, a good thing to do was to say to them why aren't you using free software and explain to them why it was a problem and explain that freedom is important and look down on them if they didn't accept those arguments. And 2014 me doesn't do that. And right. part of the yeah. reason that I part of the reason that I don't do that is because I don't care as much anymore. Part of the reason that I don't do that is that I don't want to be associated with the people who do do it. And part of the reason is that we haven't got any good arguments. And all three of those strands are important, and I'll enlarge on each of them at request. <laughs> so. Now, I think I still agree with 2004 you, except for the part about looking down on people. I, I see no use to that and no reason to believe that that would ever be useful or, or helpful or handy in any way. Um, but why why would you say that, that it's no longer useful to explain to someone why proprietary software is a problem? I think, in, in my experience, and the difference between 2014 me and 2004 me is I've got 10 more years of attempting to do this. In general, if you explain to someone in an abstract way why openness, why freedom are important, they will agree with you, right? If you, There are very few people who, if you explain to them why Ubuntu is a good idea and you can do things with it that you can't do with Windows, very few people will say, I... I don't think that's an advantage. Almost everyone will say, I can see that. That seems like a good idea. Yeah. But when you then say, ah, but the open source side of things hasn't quite got to the point where it can like for like replace everything you're doing. You will have to give stuff up in order to gain the benefits of that freedom. Almost nobody, in my experience, actually considers the freedom important enough. The people who do consider the freedom important enough become me, or Jono, or you, Pokey. Um, I think they, they, they've already, we, we've had, well, I say 10 years, we've had 35 years of explaining to people why this stuff is important, and and, and saying what you should be prepared to do is give up functionality in some way in order to get freedom. And that argument, I believe, doesn't work. I don't and we I believe it's a false argument, though. I don't think you have to ask people to give up functionality in exchange for freedom because what, what you're talking about is... Uh, you know, make a jump from Windows to Linux or from Mac to Linux because it's free and free is the right thing to do. Uh, but you're going to lose functionality. You're going to lose functionality anyway. If you stick with Windows, uh, as the last, you know, five or so years have shown, that system has completely changed from XP up through Vista and 7. They're on 8 now or 9 or whatever the hell they're on. It's completely different. They've get, they've they've exchanged their functionality. You can't 
do the same things you used to be able to do. So they they avoided those people who, who did not hear your 2004 argument. Um, the people who didn't hear that stayed with it and lost the functionality anyway. So they gained nothing by not hearing the the, the reasonable things that you said they would agree were reasonable. The thing, the thing is, though, is that I think the key thing in my mind is there's, there's basically two approaches to getting people to use free software. There is an active and a passive approach to freedom. Now, so folks at the Free Software Foundation and people like that are very active in their, in their advocacy of freedom to the point whereby they will say, um, you should focus on freedom as the priority and functionality and ease of use and things like that should come separate because the freedom is quote unquote more important. It's ethical. Um, the passive approach to advocacy is that you consider things like freedom and you consider the overall pack as one element in the overall package. Um, and that's, I would say, largely the approach of Ubuntu is that freedom is very important, but a free software system that nobody can use that doesn't give people the functionality they want is not going to be used and, and it's going to have limited take up. Now, I believe that that's the case. This is the reason why very few people use Triscoll and, and lots of people use Ubuntu as one such example. Um, the difference is, is that the people who traditionally advocate in an active capacity in terms of freedom define their value, their value system by free software. The people who, who, who advocate in a more passive manner, they define their value system by free software to a degree, but they also define their, free, their, their value system in other, manner, in other ways as well. I think the crux of what Acker's experience, and I don't want to speak for him, but I think knowing him as long as I've done, I think this is the case, and this is certainly my viewpoint, is that people who advocate free software in a passive capacity are seen as being less pure and get a lot of criticism and, in many cases, a lot of abuse from those who advocate free software in a more active manner because they're not free enough. And if there's one thing that human beings don't like is somebody else telling you that your ethics are wrong. And I think that, I mean, we did Lug Radio for, what, five years? And every single week, I got criticism from people for recording it on a Mac. Now, I can understand why some people may say you shouldn't be recording a, a show about open source and free software on a Mac. But the, a lot of these folks didn't consider all the other work that I do in terms of free software or the other work that the other guys on the team do in terms of free software. That one attribute, the fact that the show is recorded on a Mac, was... Because of that, because of that model of defining your value structure by free software, completely overshadows everything else. And you know, this at, at one point is something you put up with when you're a volunteer. But I think what happens is you get to a point and you just get sick of it. I think a lot of people get sick of it, and I think that was a big chunk of the transition that I experienced. Ack go through is just getting sick of people constantly criticizing him. Uh, for his perspectives because he wasn't free enough and i experienced it a lot as well and the other guys experienced it i think i think it's almost uh if you if you take an active position on advocacy then one of the things that you can't be seen to do is be a hypocrite because that undermines your active platform. So if you say to someone, you should be using free software because of this, and their retort is, but you don't use free software for uh, 
your music production or for your microwave or for your phone or for your word processor or whatever, then that undermines their argument. Therefore, if you're going to actively champion free software, you are almost obliged to hassle people about everything because if you don't hassle them about some things, that's evidence that you don't truly believe what you're championing. And yeah, hypo- hypocrisy I don't think that's is, entirely uh, true. Oh no, no, okay. Now I I I fall somewhere in between what the two of you have just been talking about because I believe I do advocate free software. I believe I do take an active role in it. Um but I don't I don't get in people's faces about it. Uh I I like to tell them what I know about it more of an educational uh, perspective is, 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 I guess, uh, how, how I would describe it. Um, and I do use some proprietary software here and there, and I'm willing to admit that it's a hypocrisy and that I wish I didn't have to, or I wish I were stronger. There's some, some instances where I, I don't have to, but do anyway. And I wish I were a little bit stronger and I, I try not to do those things, but I'm not perfect. And I, come from that perspective that I don't expect anybody else to be perfect either. Um, so I, I think there's plenty of degrees of middle ground between the, the two extremes of, of uh, passivity and, and activity there that you two are talking about. I, I mean, I'm just, I just fall somewhere on that scale. I don't even think it's like a choice between the three. I think there's all sorts of degrees there. I, 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 think, you're, I think you're absolutely right. The challenge is, is even just the word hypocrisy. The word hypocrisy is such a strong way of describing somebody who has a passion for free software, who makes a pragmatic decision to use something that's non-free. Like, you know, I use myself as an example and many other people that I know, 90% of the time I use free software to do everything that I can. I always try to use a free software solution first, but sometimes I can't do that. Like, you know, I wouldn't be married to my wife if I didn't use Skype. If Skype, if I was a free software purist and I refused to use Skype, I would not be married to my wife. She's Californian. I use Skype to talk to her when I lived in England. It would have been impossible. Now, am I willing to give up my marriage or a, a potential life of happiness with my wife for, 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 for uh, you know, for free software values? No, I'm not willing to do that. But there will be some folks who will think that I'm a hypocrite for doing that. To me, that's a pragmatist. It's a pragmatist who made that decision. The challenge here is the level of, I, I hate to use the term extremist because I think that's a very disparaging term to many people. The, the problem here is, is in my mind, a, a, a one-dimensional approach in either side of the, either, either side of the, of the aisle is terrible. Like, it's, it's the same thing with American politics. If you're an extreme Democrat or an extreme Republican, yeah, you, you don't see things from the other side, from the other perspective. And what worries me at times, and I think what Ak and I talked a lot about on the radio and where we sparred at times, is the way we, our, our free software and open source community is, 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 is filled, it's not filled to a large extent, but there are a lot of people out there with, with that perspective. And what it does is while these people's hearts are in the right pe- place, it really puts people off. I know, count, I, I, can t- I could give you a list of people who've said, screw it, I just don't want to be part of it because I'm sick and tired of being lectured all the time that I'm not as good as they are. 
And that's what worries me is that we often lose really good people because people take this very, very critical manner of trying to impose their ethics on other people. It's well, an it's an externality. Um, there's yeah, hold on every, before because uh, yeah, go I'm going to lose ahead. this. Uh, I think there's a little more to it than that, though, Jono, because um, a lot of times I feel the need to talk to someone about free software just to correct them because so many people get get it wrong. I mean, like very basic things where they think that, you know, f you cannot charge money for free software. I mean, that's like the, the you know, the kindergarten of, yeah, yeah, of yeah. understanding free software and they get that wrong. And you wind up having the conversation with them or somebody does. And it's very often the person who makes that mistake gets extremely frustrated um, in being corrected, no matter who does it, not it, not even me. Right. I, I can understand if they're, if, you know, if I'm the one who always does it and they always get frustrated with me, well, okay, that's me. But I, it doesn't seem to matter who does it. People get frustrated with that. Uh, I mean, obviously it's a confusion of, of the same word, you know, me having two different meanings, but there's all kinds of other things. People think that there's a, a uh, true distinction between free software and open source when really it's it's kind of a, a mindset more than a technical distinction things right. like that um, and I, I I do however totally agree with you that that you know once you politicize it once you make it two different ends um, and you don't allow people to fall somewhere in the middle of that scale that that is where you get the the um the battle the combat the 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 you know the the dividing of our community that we just don't need right and the, i mean part of the problem is is that like advocacy advocacy i mean i have one perspective you know i'm just one person in 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 the in the crowd with a with a viewpoint but i i've been fortunate enough to work as effectively a professional advocate for a long time now and one thing i've learned is through the work that I do and the work that I've seen other people do as I've tried to learn how to be better at what I do is the one, the, the, the one way in which you will never ever like the one thing that will never work in convincing people to move to an idea or a system or a process is lecturing guilting them is guilting <laughs> and lecturing them into it. Right. It's like the annoying neighbor who, who, who is passive aggressive that you don't recycle enough. Like that is not going to work. And you know, there's so many wonderful benefits. Like, Pokey, I think you, 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 you made a good point about trying to get over the benefits and the reasons why free software is so wonderful, right? There are so many things that we can share, so many ideas and so, so much potential and so much inspiration we can give to people who don't know about it. But doesn't uh, that, if, if, you, if you describe in uh, gentle and meaningful and understandable terms why recycling is so good and that's why you do that or why free software is so good and that's why you do that doesn't the person you're speaking to eventually feel a little guilty about it isn't that i i, I think there's a there's a very there's a very important subtlety if using the, the the neighbor recycling example if i if i am constantly inferring or suggesting or directly telling my neighbor that they don't recycle enough that is me guilting right. them that is me pressuring them into doing that if I inspire them and encourage them and like just 
explain to them the benefit that the small amount of work that they're going to go to to recycle is going to benefit the planet and how that's good for our future generations and all the rest of it. They are making their own decision. And I think that's the key thing is that go, people want to make their own decision about software. And one of the things that I think is frustrating about this is that we're talking about, by and large, grown adults. We're talking about people who have families, who have jobs, who have careers. They can make their own decisions. And people going out and lecturing them that they are making the wrong decisions doesn't help. And I think the evidence is, I think the evidence it speaks for itself is that the vast majority of people in the open source community don't have that level of ex- that, that 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 level of quote unquote purity when it comes to their software. There, there's always a balance. People may be running Ubuntu or Fedora or whatever else. They may be playing their games on Steam and they may be using Skype here and there. But by and large, they're supportive of pushing our movement forward. And I think that this small minority of people who lecture people, in many cases, lets the side down. And that's what worries me is that we often lose people because of some of these folks despite the fact that they obviously have their hearts in the right place, you know? I see. Uh, to, to, uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. To give a perfect example of this, the conversation which got this started, right? Um, what you guys talking about was the fact that I'm less committed to open source than I was. Now, um, I... I use all the same open source software that I did then. Um, some things are made easier for me because now I have um, wireless free open drivers and I don't have to forego having wireless. <laughs> I don't have right to on, make that yeah. choice. I don't have to make that choice anymore because our technology has improved in 10 years. But the software I use is just as open source as it was then. The software that I write and release is just as open source as it was then. What's changed is that I don't go on about it as much, as though my dedication to free software is not defined by how much I do with it, but about how much I shout about it. Right. Right. Okay, now, I, then, I, then I got that wrong from what you said in the, I believe it was the last episode of Lug Radio it sounded to me like you were saying all right I'm going to give up on this in part or in whole and I'm going to I'm going to give it a go see what the proprietary software can offer me and whether or not the ease of use or functionality or something uh you know I'll I'll, I'll accept the benefits that have been preached to me you know for the past multiple years here that's that's what i heard and if i got that wrong then i'm sorry but could you clarify that because i i believe you said something to that effect um two completely different things in my mind but um i think a good way of illustrating this might be something that i did 18 months ago which was buy an iphone um nothing to do with jono he's never had an iphone as far as i'm aware no (laughs) um and I wrote quite a long blog post explaining why. Um, and I, at least by a few people, was vilified for choosing an iPhone because Apple are the enemy. And the argument I made at the time, which I still believe, is that what I want out of the things that I use, whether they be um, laptops or servers or phones or whatever devices things that i use to do work what i want out of them is three things i want openness vitality and beauty and openness is a a, a critical part of that triad 
but it's only one part of that triad. What I want is all three. Historically, it's been very, very, very difficult to find anything which is all of open with a large, vibrant, active community and beautiful. Defining beautiful how you are, I mean, obviously, from the point of view of a server, we're not talking about um, the beauty of the case it comes in so much as the beauty of the experience of using it. Um, right. So the phone I had um, before the uh, before the iPhone was, was a Nokia N9. When you right? say the iPhone is... is- Beautiful, you talking about the UI or the design of the thing or the whole package? Both. Okay. But both. Um the uh the Nokia N nine that I had before, that was uh, uh, mostly open source. Great, fantastic. So it fulfills the openness thing. And it was gorgeous. The device itself was gorgeous. Yeah. Um, the experience of using it was lovely. Um stupid things like because it came from Nokia rather than um, you know, I mean, my, my historical experience with running um, uh, Linux-based distros and, and then Ubuntu has been that you buy whatever laptop um, best supports things, right? You don't, get yeah. to have the, you don't get to have the pretty laptops, the ones that look nice. You get to have some clunky, horrible old thing because it supports Linux well and the pretty ones don't. John and I have been arguing for a decade now about the fact that i refuse to buy thinkpads right <laughs> i don't i don't give a shit that they support linux better than everything else i don't care i hate them they look like they belong on blocks outside someone's trailer and i will not <laughs> buy you will right. bend at one point i will not because the next machine i'm buying is a desktop machine i'm not even buying a laptop the hell with your ThinkPad. Get stuffed. Right? I'll say it's the desktop machine I'm buying. The case is gorgeous. God, it's so nice. Um. Anyway, right. So yeah, I don't um, know. I don't know if I could even relate to you there because I could give a shit what my computer or my laptop looks like. I, I same really, whatever. And and for most things in my life, it form follows function. If the thing doesn't work, I don't care what it looks like. Ah, uh, well, th- this is exactly the point. I want. All of them, you know. Um, and I think some of uh, our, and when I say I don't mean us three, but our community, some of our lack of desire for beautiful things is because historically we just haven't been allowed them. So we've become conditioned to the fact that you shouldn't even ask. You know, you get openness or you get pretty things. You have to choose. We think openness is important. So the whole idea of something being beautiful has taken a back seat to it being open. This and is not thank just thank goodness because if we were face to face, you'd be criticizing me on the beauty marks. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is how I think. I mean, I, I almost think it's Stockholm syndrome, right? We are now that used to the idea that we're not allowed pretty things that we've turned it into a virtue, right? I 
have come to the realization that I want all of these things. I want vitality, I want openness, and I want beauty. I'm bloody allowed beautiful stuff. I mean, stupid example. Um, I, I'm putting together a plan for my next machine, which is going to be a desktop machine, right? And I, uh, I posted to Google Plus and to various places and said, I'm thinking of buying this, but has anyone got suggestions for lovely cases? Because I want something that looks gorgeous. My, my, um, my reckoning point here was that I want something where I could put it on a coffee table in my living room on view looking gorgeous um and people would see it and go wow that looks great you know it's like an objet d'art in your house and about half the response i got were, oh man why would you want to do that just chuck a blanket over it and put it in a cupboard and i'm like no man <laughs> well uh, cars are the same right desktop environments another perfect example um i I, I, I use Ubuntu. I, I worked for Canonical, but I used Ubuntu before I worked for Canonical. I've continued to use it afterwards. And part of that is that I think the experience is beautiful. And the desire from an awful lot of people to say, well, no, I want to be able to change it around and do things and change the way everything looks is almost directly contrary to that idea of beauty. Right? So anyway, um, openness beauty vitality i wanted all three my the nokia n9 openness it was great for uh pretty much all open source software um use qml fantastic plug it into my ubuntu machine it worked brilliantly i could i could ssh into it and like run apt which was amazing <laughs> really pleased um um and it was beautiful the experience of using things was beautiful the hardware itself was beautiful i have and still use um the my emergency plug-in battery was bought for my nokia n9 and i bought that rather than one of the random cheap black ones on the market this one the one i've got is it's shaped like the, the the N9 Squircle logo. And it's the same colour as my N9 was. So being able to have this kind of matching accessory, the sort of thing that Apple people take for granted, and we just say, well, that's why would you want that? That's not important. It is important, at least to me. And I think it's important to a lot of people out there in the world as well. So, so you had beauty and you had openness, what the N9 missed was vitality, right? There was hardly any community there. There weren't apps for everything. There wasn't a good way of getting into it. And three quarters of the community you were involved with it were involved with it because of the openness, which means that instead of dedicating their time to building great applications to make the phone do more stuff than I wanted, they were devoting their time to patching out the wireless system which came with it and patching in WICD instead. Now, that's fine. I mean, there's a place for that and everything. But I don't care, right? I really don't care about that. Um, and so, no vitality in the platform. So, I mean, before that, I had an Android phone. I've, no. always, used, I've always used Ubuntu. <laughs> The point of trying the iPhone was exactly to try to the other two prongs of the tripod. I tried openness and vitality with the N9, um, uh, and I wanted to try beauty and vitality. You know, really big community, get applications for everything you get it's not just applications it's when you've got a problem and you google for it there are 50 people saying oh here's the simple way around rather than one guy writing on his live journal how he recompiled the kernel to fix it right <laughs> so so well, I, yeah it used to be there's a there's a, a firefox plugin for that now it's there's an app for that 
Well, I mean, I mean that that's sort of thing. Um, and there, I, I concede, I am probably I am semi unusual in the open source community for valuing beauty that highly. I mean, to give another example, which is tangentially related, but in my head, it's very closely related. Um, if you've got a, if you want to tweak something about Ubuntu, you go and ask on Reddit or on Ask Ubuntu or whatever, and three quarters of the answers start with "open a terminal and do blah." Even if there's a nice, convenient, easy button somewhere you can press. Now, I'm all about, um, I, I, I spend half my life in a terminal, right? I'm a coder. That's what I do. It's part of my job. But I hate it when that's the advice which is given because new people coming into our community who are not technical see that and are scared away, right? And, the beauty of the platform is precisely that you don't, you know, you, you know what it's like. You, t- you talk to people who aren't Ubuntu users and are Mac users or are Windows users and say, but they're technical. You say, why aren't you using um, Ubuntu? They're like, oh man, because you have to just compile your kernel every five minutes, which all three of us know is a joke which is 15 years out of date. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but that opinion is completely, completely reinforced by the fact that you ask someone, how do I disable a scope in Ubuntu? And instead of saying, find that scope, right-click on it and say disable, the answer is open a terminal and type G setting space, set space, open square bracket, blah, 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 blah. And... It's okay, not. It, it's, it, it, it's people. People who aren't, who are not only not pushing the, in my mind, the beautiful way to do it, but are actively reacting against the beautiful way of doing so. That's what I mean by Stockholm syndrome. We become that conditioned to the idea that we're not allowed easy, convenient ways to do stuff. That we, very we, often we, we, the command we fetishized. Line... Very often, the command, the command line is the is the easier and better way to do something. Absolutely, and when that isn't. when that answer pops up, that's I'm glad it does. When 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 I uh, have a broken package and I ask, okay, not me, but for example, if I had a broken package and I said, you know, how do I how do I fix this? I get some dependencies screwed up. If somebody said to me, okay, you open Synaptic, uh, look for check marks that are undone or what no okay so how about just apt get uh you know fix broken you know what i mean right okay and here's the problem with that if i said that to my dad do that he'd type apt get fix broken it wouldn't work because it's not that it's apt dash get oh, sorry and then and then a space and then dash dash fix dash broken and it's case sensitive and you have to get the things the command yeah, line is, here, the command line is br- brilliantly this. brilliantly brilliantly powerful and like i say i use it all the time a reasonable portion of the time i when i'm installing stuff i don't do it from the dash i do it from the terminal because i'm in a terminal anyway fine but it's not discoverable Right, but the thing the thing that relates to that as well is that <clears throat> invariably, I think this gets to another issue that we have in our community at times, is there is a very, very strong level of technical elitism in the open source and free software world. There is a feeling that you should kind of know how to use the terminal. Like it, you think you should so know- still? Oh, absolutely. I see it every single day. I don't I see, see it. I see, I see significant numbers of people who demonstrate technical elitism through a few different routes. One is through um, mocking people who are new, mocking people 
because they don't know how to use a terminal, that they don't know how to configure their machine to a, to, to a level that other people may be able to expect. And then the other thing is the, is the in, in many cases, is the often overly dramatic criticism of quote-unquote dumbing down Linux. I see this all, I see this a lot with Ubuntu. People are very critical of Ubuntu because we are quote-unquote dumbing down Linux. Now, I think to your point, Pokey, you're providing that solution as a as a expedited means of solving the problem, not being technically elitist about it. And I meant, okay. I meant where but, it's appropriate as well. Right. I understand that that Axe point about you know right clicking on something and clicking disable. Yes, that's the correct answer. There, not drop down to the command line. My only point was to say that very often the command line has a better solution, and I, the way that the way that Ack was describing it sounded to me like it would have discouraged somebody from posting uh, the answer. Whatever answers exist, if somebody has the answer, go ahead and post it up. Let the person read through the posts and decide which one is best for them. Again, you see, this is where well, I just give another example of um, something I referred to earlier as an externality economist term. Um, each individual person saying, okay, here is a terminal-based way of doing that, because in this example, it's quicker and it's clearer. Each individual thing is probably correct in that particular situation. That that way is faster. But they're ignoring the costs they impose on the whole open-source community by marginally decreasing the credibility, the usability of open-source in general. Because... If for each individual thing you can say there is a way of doing this with the terminal and that way is faster and you review a thousand questions and they've all got answers like that, what that says to ordinary people attempting to use open source is using the terminal is the best for everything. And then they try and use the terminal and they don't understand. Right, I was going to say the thing that that relates to that is when someone asks a question and somebody gives them an answer, there's two components in the answer. One is actually solving the problem so that person can get on with their lives. And then the second thing is helping that person to be able to solve their own problems in the future. Now, if somebody is not the kind of person who's going to be either interested or necessarily capable of using the terminal, and you give them a solution that involves a terminal, you may solve their problem, but it's going to be completely... They're never going to be able to help learn the overall system and be able to fix it in the future using more conventional methods. And I think, but to me, that's not necessarily a criticism that's that's specific to free software and open source. That's just the difference between technical and non-technical people. Um, you know, it, it is well, right, and and there's nothing stopping anybody from saying, okay, you've got all these fifty people have answered here, and they've all said that you know the fastest way is to drop to the command line. But here's a way to do it with your mouse and keyboard that might be a little easier for. Nothing stops anybody from doing that, and. I, I just think criticizing somebody for telling, for giving an answer, this is how I know it works, that this is the way that I know to fix the problem that you're having. I, I don't I don't think it's right to criticize people for doing that, even if... Uh, uh, and, and there you and I disagree, I think, because... I think if there, if you only know of a terminal-based answer to someone's question, and you do not know that there isn't, a, if you know there's no GUI way of doing this, it's only a terminal way, then fine, say to them, here's the terminal way of doing it, there isn't another way. By the way, user, 
the fact that there is no easy way for you to do this is a bug, and we're going to fix that. Yeah. But if you say there's a terminal-based way of doing it, and I don't know because I've never had to check because I'm a technical guy. I've never had to check whether there's a good way or not. I only know the terminal way, and you tell them that, I think you are making the situation worse. I would rather you didn't give an answer. I'd rather someone said, oh, there maybe isn't a way of doing this, and then they'll go and explore. If they get the answer and it's an open a terminal, type this command sort of answer, then they'll believe that's the only way of doing it. Yeah, see, I, I, we, you're right. We're going to have to disagree on this one. I like finding the answer that says open a terminal and do this. And I'm not, I'm just a user, okay? I, I don't know what you guys think of me or whatever in my background, but I'll tell you, I'm just a user. I'm a, a real I don't work with Linux on a daily basis. I've been using it for years, but only as a normal user would use a computer. So I, my, my learning curve is not as steep as someone who, you know, would, would run a server for a job or who's producing documents or, or something like that. I'm just a normal guy. So when I go to, to search for a problem and I find that, okay, here's the answer and it's on the terminal, that gives me a place to start. That is me that is the person answering teaching me to solve my own problem because now i have a command to start with i can go read the man page on that or read the help file i usually start with a help file I'm, i you know i can read those easier than man pages usually but then i can understand the command and find out where that's going to now again if there is a better way in the GUI, then yes, go ahead and give me the, the GUI answer. But as as far as teaching someone to use a computer, um, I learn more from that. So, and that's just me. So we will disagree on this one. Go ahead. I was just going to say real quick, I think the thing that this is, the, the, the challenge here is, you know, and just to be very clear, just to provide a, a caveat that I hope nobody would need from me is, I, I absolutely love the open source and free software community. I, th I think that despite our issues here and there, it's an amazing place to be. I feel privileged every day being able to be surrounded by people in the community and to be able to work in it. But I think that the one thing that we as a community need to confront and that we need to deal with is that when we are getting people, when we're trying to advocate and get people excited and interested in, in, in joining our work, that we need to try and be more adaptable to the user's needs and not try to force them into our box and our ethics. And sure. I think that that is the key distinguishing factor between active and passive advocacy is the way I described it earlier on. Uh, like well, if, I, think, if, I think there's a, a slightly subtler difference um, in that when you want people to join the community, um, I think it's the freedom that that I bait my hook with when I, when I tell people to come in, I can't tell people, um, you know, come use Linux because it's, it's hands down better. Even though I believe it is, I can't convince someone of that because what they're using is different and people often confuse different with worse. So there's no way you can convince somebody that it's just better. But I don't think that's the most effective way of doing it for, for, because while that may work with some people that, it, that presumes that people should or do care about freedom. And 
The sad reality is the vast majority of people who use technology couldn't give two shits about freedom. Uh, well, no, I, I, no, hang on. I, just, I, I, just, I'd like just, to just, modify just, that. Slow. Go ahead. You go first. Just, just, just to finish off, the, the vast majority of people out there who have got iPhones and they've got Microsoft phones and Microsoft devices and Apple devices, whatever else, who are fertile ground for us to bring over to Linux and free software, the vast majority of those people don't give a crap about freedom. Now, could they benefit from freedom? Of course they could, right? I mean, we know that. We know that freedom could bring many things to them. But if we go out there and we try to bring them over, as freedom is the thing that we're baiting the hook with, what you're going to get is you're going to get some people are going to say, wow, that, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm definitely interested. And you're going to get a lot of people who are going to say, I don't really give a shit about that. Like, tell me how this thing can give me a better quality of life than what I've got with this existing thing that I and so I think what we need to do is we need to apply the right push points to different people. Like if you go up to any executive or any business person in any company that is evaluating moving to Linux from moving from a proprietary solution, those people are not going to care about freedom. They're going to care about total cost of ownership and support and all those kinds of things. If you go to any teenager who's got an iPhone, who's playing Candy Crush and all that kind of stuff. They're not going to care about freedom. They're going to care about having cool games to play with and meeting other people. So I think we need to be thoughtful of modifying how we advocate to people. And that's the thing is that too many people, I'm not suggesting you do this, Pokey, because I don't know you well enough, but too many people go out there and they put freedom first and foremost, and it doesn't resonate. And when it doesn't resonate, a lot of those people think that the person is somehow inferior because they don't, get as passionate and as excited about freedom as the as the person doing the advocacy. And that, I think, is the thing that we need to adjust. I don't... I do advocate on freedom. And when it doesn't resonate, I do not see the person as inferior. I just have a hard time seeing that person as potentially useful to the community. That, by definition, sees somebody as inferior. <laughs> That's almost exactly how I was just going to put it. You've got two people, right? Um, both of whom are identical, apart from the fact that one of them is useful to the community and the other one isn't. By definition, the one who's not useful to the community is inferior. Right? inferior they're, right? they're not as good as that's what inferior means. Oh, not as for, good as. for a specific task or a specific purpose. Not as a human being. They're not inferior as a human being. They're not less uh, of a person. They, but, but that also uh, presumes. I, 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 I kind but, of I kind of agree with you that you're not seeing them as inferior as a human being, but. It quite often comes across that way. Not, I'm not saying this specifically about your arguments, but the difference between this argument and all the others is that it's an ethical argument. Right. Pretty much by definition, if you're saying this is how you ought to feel ethically, but you don't feel that way, that looks disparaging to the person you're saying it to. Because, I mean, that's the nature of ethical arguments, right? If you have a political argument with someone and they get annoyed with you because they feel that you're not um, protecting the rights of man in the way that they are. They are, by definition, saying that you are demonstrating an inferior ethical awareness. That's the, the nature of ethical argument. The other thing as well that relates to that is is that there is a... When you said, you know, you wouldn't necessarily see them as inferior, but you would see them of lesser use to the community, that presumes that 
that person would want to be in the community. Yes, I, yes I exactly. Think that, that's the other thing. We if need they're not to... interested in being in the community, then then you're right. There, there's no point in even considering that. But I think that's the thing is that we need to accept that there's going to be a load of people out there who w- could all, all benefit. Everybody, in fact. Yeah, who could benefit from free software and open source, who couldn't care about being part of the community. Like, I'll, I'll give you one example of this. Um, in recent years, and particularly in the last year, we've spent a lot of time building an app developer community around Ubuntu. And uh, this is something that Ak and I talked endlessly about. Um, uh, you know, one, one, one of the things, I, just to be very clear, like in my job as the community manager for Ubuntu, um, Ak has been a great mentor to me for many, many years, right? I run loads of things past him and get his advice and his feedback because I think he's a great, Ak has got a great like objective stance on the world and that's, is a good person to bounce ideas. And one of the things that we were discussing a lot was, is that we have two communities in Ubuntu. We have a community of people who traditionally who want to, who are interested in, in contributing to, uh, you know, to fixing bugs and packaging software and doing translations and doing documentation, stuff like that. And those are the kinds of people who really care about Mir versus Wayland and really care about Unity versus Gnome Shell and really care about contribute license agreements and all that kind of stuff, all the People Magazine stuff that we deal with every day in the open source world, right? And then you've got a community of app developers. And these are people who want to build apps that run on Ubuntu. Those people don't care at all about how Ubuntu is fit together. They couldn't care less. They couldn't care less about the politics. They couldn't care less about about the, 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 the details. And it's the same thing with a lot of OEMs. It's the same thing with a lot of ISVs. They don't care about how Ubuntu is fit together. They couldn't care less about Mir versus Wayland, right? It's, it, they, they're not interested in, quote, unquote, being part of that community. They're interested in harnessing the technology and the freedom to help further their own world. And we need to accept the fact that there, it's perfectly valid that somebody can can enjoy using software and enjoy the benefits of that freedom and have no idea of the benefits of that. That's and, uh, where I take a more passive approach to it because I don't feel the need to stand on the rooftops and shout, Linux works better. It does. But I don't need to, you know, it, it, there's no viruses. That's not my business. Uh, right. That's that's not, I mean, I have a, a, a dear friend of mine and his wife who both own laptops that they've asked me to put Linux on for them because it works better. They could give a shit about the software freedom involved. Just like, you know, just like you said, you know, nine out of 10 right. aren't going to care. And they don't. Uh, but I didn't talk them into it either they simply you know they come to me for computer help right and they notice that there is a divergence between you know how much i know uh, or how much i used to be able to help them when we were both using you know windows xp and we we're both on the same operating system to how useful i am helping them now that i'm no longer using windows and they're looking at a windows machine and they decided okay let's try this out even if i have to learn something completely new at least the support network that i trust is there and i'm fine being that support network i to to all my friends and family i tell them if you would like help with your computer if you would like help with linux i'm more than happy to do it for you i will work on it until it's fixed if you need help with windows i might not be able to help you i'll give it a try but I might not be able to help you, and I might uh, not be able to do you, it quickly. You're, and, you're, you're nicer than I am, then. As a matter of policy, I won't help people who've got Windows. I said to them, if you want to run Windows, that's fine, but you're on your own. You run Ubuntu, 
I'll help you out. I'll help um, family, not friends. I should make that uh, distinction. I, I see my parents run Ubuntu now. <laughs> Say it again. Uh, my parents run Ubuntu now um, <laughs> for precisely this reason. What I think is interesting there um, is, to my mind, uh, openness, freedom in your software is not a reason to start using it, but it's a reason not to stop using it right so 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 you don't bring people i don't bait the hook with freedom not at all um it's, it's but, one but, of the reasons but, i started but, using it but, but but once someone's in it's a good way to say to them oh and by the way think about what you'll be giving up good example there um uh while we were sitting about saying ah well we've got an open source operating system and we've had it for years and why isn't everyone using it and our market share is still at one percent um, Google sat down, built an open source operating system and took over the whole universe with it. Android, right? Almost no one of the over 50% of phones sold with Android on them because it's open source. But once they've got an Android, then you know what? I'm thinking of getting an iPhone. You can say to them, oh, you know that extra keyboard you installed? Not allowed to do that on iOS. And they go, what? And then you say... That's the difference between an open system, whether we're, not, uh, whether we're talking about open source uh, in terms of the software or openness in terms of the uh, how accepting the system is of change, right? You say yeah. to them, yeah, yeah you, you can't install that. Um, when you open a, P- you know, you know how you, you've, um, when you open a PDF on your Android phone and it opens in one of those two things because you installed two different things, do that on your iPhone, opens in iBooks, nothing you can do about it. Right, um, and they right. go, "What? That's ridiculous! I have this freedom, and it's being taken away." There's a bit then of a hole in your argument, though. Responsive, but, I think. But before you go too much further, there's a bit of a hole in your argument. Part of the reason people aren't standing on the streets and and hollering about the freedom of Android is that it's not particularly free. Bullshit, the- bullshit, and this to me is a really important thing. When people say we care about your software being free and open source right you say it is free and open source and they go ah that's not really what we meant we don't really care about the license on the software what we care is that we get an opinion on how it should be created and there's a a difference there's a difference here between there's a john John and i will disagree on this right yeah i i mean i i think that i think i'm i'm i think i share aspects of either of your both of your viewpoints Android is an open source operating system, right? It is open source. You can get the code. You can use it. You can fork it if you want to. Um, what it isn't is it isn't, I would say, a particularly, collab- a particularly collaborative open source community. Google have very, very crisply said, look, we're basically running the show here. And and that's fine. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, right? You know, it's 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 almost like, you know, you could have a completely open source community that's got no company attached to it that builds something like the um, OpenMoco when that was around. I don't know if it's still around these days, but completely open source community, completely collaboratively collaboratively driven, and they did their work. And then you've got Android on the other side of the equation, which is open source but um, but is very driven by Google. And then somewhere in between, you've got you've got something like Ubuntu. I, I don't think it's fair to say that it's not open source and free software, but it's Correct. also not fair to say it's a particularly collaborative environment as well. It's not, it's not particularly collaborative. I mean, this um, one of the things that's been interesting, over the last year of using um, an iPhone, they went through the iOS 6 to iOS 7 transition, right? And 
that brought a lot of changes and it was really interesting seeing the difference in response from the iphone using community both app developers and just users and comparing that with the same a similar reaction to change from our community right apple bring out ios 7 it broke a load of stuff um, it broke a bunch of people's apps. It broke a bunch of stuff that Safari did. It brought a bunch of new functionality. And people went, oh, man, it's broken a load of stuff. How annoying. We better knuckle down and get our apps fixed. And when some when um, a, a, a Linux-based OS makes a change like that, the response is not, oh, well, this has happened. Let's continue being great. It's... That's terrible. Reverse the change, and then make a way to reverse the change. Now, don't now, don't discount the financial <clears throat> motivation for the people who say they have to knuckle down and fix their app. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I, I honestly do not think. I, I mean, I'm sure there's a certain amount of well. I haven't got any choice, so I better just suck it up. Yeah, but it's, but, it, but but, it, but it there, could... there, there is honestly a much more accepting culture of the idea that someone else defines the os and you use it right and that and yeah. that division yes is of course because you, they don't have a choice if they want to make the money on the app on the other side of the aisle if you're a linux de- if, if i'm developing software for linux and someone goes and pulls the rug out under me and i have to recode the entire thing that to me is going to feel like all the work that i already did has been unappreciated because there's no there's no typically uh there's not a lot of you know financial compensation which you can you know equate to appreciation on some level uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna feel unappreciated i'm gonna feel like people don't like what i've done or or don't appreciate what i've done that is that's a bit of i think this also shines a light on, on on another slight issue that i think we have from time to time which is which is there is often a sense of entitlement that uh, that that something changes, but what about me? Now I can understand, um, like, look, this the open source community, the free software community, is not the only community by any stretch that is affected by this, right? Look at the movie world, right? Uh, you know, look at what happened with Star Wars. People were complaining and saying, "Well, what about the original?" Blah blah blah. But at times there is a sense of, you know, how dare they do this? And it, it, it boggles my mind when you see such such um, vitriol from some people about um, a change that is that is just the natural evolution of a platform developing. And I think to Axe's point, you see a lot a lot less of that in the in the Apple world because there is a very clear different difference between the the platform provider and the app developer. Right, the app developer exists in his or her own world. They build things that run on the platform. Now, they may be frustrated with changes in the platform or may not like changes in the platform, but they don't feel like they've been slighted by it. And I, I think don't know the if reason, that's true. I think, I, I think the reason why we see more of this in the Linux world is because the lines are very, very blurred between upstreams, ISVs, and platforms. There is... You know, look at look at Linux traditionally until quite recently. If you want to get an app into into a Linux distribution, you have to become an operating system developer and get it into the archive. Now, what's, which, what's ISV? I, uh, independent software vendor, right? So somebody Thanks. produces an app, an independent app, right? 
Traditionally, that's the way you have to do it. We had this in Ubuntu for donkey's years. You want to get an app into Ubuntu? Okay, you've got to be an Ubuntu developer, and you've got to get it in before we next we release our next version of Ubuntu. Until quite recently, we didn't have any of the arch- uh, the infrastructure to be able to to let people independently upload apps to Ubuntu. We you have to, to you, you you have to sign the Ubuntu code of conduct. Right. And I, yeah. I, I have to promise to be nice to everybody in order that people can play my game. Now, I think this, I think the COC is a nice thing to do, but I think that division between the operating system and the vendors is is an important one. If I, I'm building software, I'm I'm um, I'm not really that interested in building Ubuntu. I'm interested in building on. Ubuntu. And I mean, it's reasonable to say, I mean, we, we, I, talked to, I talked about Apple, but you can reasonably say that at what Apple are doing and what we're doing are two fundamentally different things, right? And therefore, there is a fundamentally different relationship between the, the people who produce the platform and the people who produce stuff on it. But Android is, is not. Android is very similar to to what we do, right? It's an open source OS. It gives you openness and hooks to change things. The team, the team doing it aren't as collaborative as perhaps they could be, but equally that collaborate, that lack of collaborativeness has got the operating system built and more importantly, an existence proof here, right? While we're all sitting about saying everyone should be using Ubuntu, iOS got created, and Android got created, and they took over the world, right? So our way isn't working, and their way is. It doesn't matter whether we want our way to work or whether their way shouldn't work. Their way does work. So to my mind, emulating that to some extent, so everyone ends up using our open source platform and then saying to them oh and by the way open this it's really good that's a reason to not leave the platform here are the benefits you get from it now that you're here seems to me to be a good idea and that's one of the big things that's changed about my opinion that i've had 10 more years of watching our way just not work it doesn't matter whether i think it ought to work or i think that people ought to be listening to our arguments they're not either we're wrong or we need better arguments. I think, and the thing that I think relates to this as well is, you know, bringing things to a bit of a conclusion. The way, the way Poker you kind of presented me in in the previous show, almost made out that I don't care about free software and I don't care about open source, and I'm more than happy to just um, the way. In fact, I I don't have a transcript in front of me, but the, the way I remember it was, you know, Jono is advocating proprietary software. I don't advocate proprietary software. I don't tell people to use proprietary software. What I do is I use proprietary software when there is no free software alternative to use. And I think that one of the things here is that the, that we have many benefits with freedom, many benefits with openness in our community, um, but the blurred lines between the platform and the app developer community and the ISVs and all the other different pieces causes all of this completely unnecessary bickering that we see in the open source world every yeah. single day. And that's, you know, Ak and I, we've, again, I don't want to rep- misrepresent Ak, but I think we've both, our opinions have both evolved over the years. I, I don't think that they're the same. I do believe that there's, I believe that we can succeed. I believe that we can win with free software and we can win with open source. Um, I think there is tremendous opportunity out there. 
But we need to get away from this insane land grabbing and this judgmental nature that some people have where you're not one of us because you use Skype. And until we get away from that and until we start setting a better example in our community, um, we will be we will be plagued with um, making slower progress than we could have done. And this is the re- one of the reasons why I think we both wanted to come on and talk about it is because I, I, I hate to say it, Pokey, but I think the way you presented us on that show was an example of the problem. Now, just to be very clear, I think but it's don't, awesome. Don't hate people... to say it if you feel that way, then then say it. I No, no. I, my I feelings hate... aren't hurt by being wrong. No, I, I hate to say it because I hate to see examples like that. I, sure. I know that you're I know you're not gonna take it personally. And I think just to be very clear, I think I, I massive respect for you welcoming Ak and I to both come on on yeah. public radio and talk about it. And that take it's a big person to, you know, to be critical of something and then have those people come on and, and question what you said. I think that was amazing. I'm very, very respectful of you for doing that. But Thank I think you. I think that that's the issue that we need to fix. And podcasts are a great way of, of providing an example of doing that. And hopefully that will change in the future. Yeah, I yeah, mean, to, me, be, to be clear, oh, I mean, on, very, 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 very briefly, um, I don't want iOS to eat our lunch, right? And now that Google have basically shifted three quarters of the important new stuff in Android into closed source, shipped only from Google, you can't change it, things inside Google Play services, I don't want Android to eat our lunch either, right? I would like, I personally would like Ubuntu to win. <laughs> um, but we're never going to get anywhere if we spend all our time fighting amongst ourselves right right of course now Jono, i don't think you mischaracterized me at all when you said that that i if, if i didn't outright say it at least gave the impression that you advocated for proprietary software and hearing right. what you hearing what you just said about using proprietary software um perhaps it was your defensive of maybe people put you on the defensive and that can often sound like advocacy and maybe maybe that's the middle ground uh that that we could reach between you know what i said and and the reality uh is that close sure. I, I i don't think that i i mean i don't I, you know i don't think i'm particularly defensive about it but i will correct people when i think they're wrong um i don't think <laughs> I, I don't i don't think i advocate free software uh proprietary uh software I don't. I don't go out there and tell people to use, I use Cubase, I use Skype, I use the PlayStation 4. I don't advocate people to use those things. I may say to people, I think Cubase is cool. Like, I enjoy using it. I think Cubase is a great piece of software. Am I going to go out there and advocate it? Am I going to go out, out of my way to tell people to use Cubase? No, not at all. I will go out of my way to tell people to use Ubuntu and free software. So I think there's a difference between advocacy and just saying that you use something and that you know, that's just use it because there is no good alternative free software solution that, that su- supports what you want to do. There, There is a difference between those things, but that difference becomes blurred when you're a public figure and you're a very public figure and you were on Lug Radio as well. Uh, I mean, right. Lug Radio carried the banner for the Linux using community for a very long time. It, it had a massive effect uh, on the community, on, on opinions and on the excitement behind it all, uh, as did um, 
uh, Brian and Chris for a long time. It, right. it, it really, really did. It affected me tremendously. And even people who, who you know, would say they didn't like one or other or both of the shows still listened to them all, still formed opinions, still had a massive effect on them. So that that line between, you know, advocacy and you know, just stating what you're using and, and explaining why can become blurred, I think. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. And I have a habit of, of, at least I think I do, of kind of bowing out of conversations where I might be seen to be an advocate. And I'm not being critical there. I'm just I'm trying to reconcile my experience with that. Um, and, John, I, I know you said there was one more thing and I forgot it, but I know you said you had to go. But I wanted to ask you because uh, I, I think I'll get a, a kick in if I don't. Did you yeah. guys – how did you guys come across – the new year's eve show were you listening are you hpr listeners anyway or did somebody say here i heard your name on this one or i, I check this out <laughs> i the way i came across it was i was uh i was going through the bad voltage um inbox uh and i i was just because when we do an episode of bad voltage we often read out uh emails and stuff like that and i saw the email again from ken uh and i thought oh i'll go and check out like what they did um and uh and so you know i couldn't i couldn't join on new year's eve because i already had plans with the family but um i thought oh, i'll go and check it out and then i went there and i was quite surprised to see you know we discussed the world of john o'bacon which <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> so yeah okay that those are the good show notes sound chaser will be happy with that <laughs> How about you, Ak? Was it same thing, or did Jono say, "Hey, they talked uh, about us"? Here. On, on, on that specific one, Jono said to me, "Hey, they talked about us. Go and listen." <laughs> so I went, "Okay, <coughs> fine." Yeah. Um, HPR generally, um, I, I drop in from time to time. I have this huge list of podcasts, and I never get to listen to oh, any of do. them. Um, I, I mean, I hardly get time. Uh, the, most of the time, I don't even get to listen to the whole of the Bad Voltage show. Um, some of the reason for that is that I, don't, that I honestly don't have the time. But an awful lot of um, Linux-based, uh, open-source-based podcasts aren't particularly talking about things which are particularly relevant to what I do. And uh, uh, so if I am listening to something and I only have limited time, I'm probably more likely to find myself listening to a Node.js podcast or something instead. Yeah. Um, because I'm more interested in the technology on top than I am in the operating system itself, as we previously discussed. Um, a part of the reason um, uh, I'm involved in Bad Voltage is that it's precisely that it's about, you know, I don't want this to turn into an advert, but we're trying to talk about technology generally. It's not just about um, open source software. Some of it's about right. films. Some of it's about applications. Um, some of it's about gaming, because that level of stuff is what I'm interested in. Now, that's changed from 2004, but I don't believe that's um, uh, tied in with my uh, belief or otherwise in free software. I think just I used to find things like building a computer from components fun. I used to find uh, compiling my kernel to do new stuff fun, and now I just don't. But I think a lot of that's because I've just got older. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I, I don't know it's because I, I i i dislike the the freedom aspect of it more than i used to i've just i've just got to the stage where now 
You've done I'm enough bit, of it. I, I, I'm a bit older. I've done plenty of it. And at least to some extent, I have a bit more money now. So well, the idea of the, paying the thing... someone to build me a computer rather than doing it myself, spending the whole time dropping screws on the floor, trying to understand what type of RAM to buy in order to save myself 45 quid. Now I just think, the hell with it. Let's well, the other thing as well is... Get a pretty machine and pay someone to build it, right? The, the other thing as well is when your hobby turns into your career... You know, you, you you go from spending a couple of hours, three hours in the evening playing around with Linux and open source. When that becomes your career and you're doing it for 14 hours a day, you, you kind of want to do other stuff in your evening. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the mechanics <laughs> car is always the last to get fixed. Right. Uh, and and this is important, right? I'm not Jono. Um, he has music. He does barbecuing, things like that. What I do for fun is write code. Right, yeah, barbecue code quite often, or the, you know, we think up a new podcast and then suddenly I have to learn how to install <laughs> the forum with Juju on Azure, right? So, what I do as my hobby is still the stuff I'm doing every day. I don't have another outlet other than reading, um, apart from the weekends I spend with my daughter, which are brilliant. So, um, spending some time not having to do the the more annoying, low-level, grovelly bit is nice. Yeah, uh, I I didn't mean that you had to defend, uh, you know, not listening <laughs> to every single Linux podcast that exists. I'm trying to explain the reasoning. Yeah, no, of course, of course. Everybody has a limited uh, amount of time and an infinite number of cool podcasts. Um, when Ken forwarded the email to me, uh, Jono's first email, and then when you got involved, Ak, um, I, I had a couple of different emotions, all, you know, one right after the other. Uh, <laughs> the first one, I was actually pretty flattered that the two of you guys had listened to the episode or, or were listening to Hacker Public Radio regularly. I didn't know. Um, that was the first thing. The next thing was a bit of panic in, oh, shit, what did I say? Did I say anything that, you know, would upset anybody? I know I didn't say anything nice about Jono, uh, and I apologize for that. And I know I said some nice things, or at least I, I tried to say some nice things about Ack. Um, so there was that little bit of panic. Uh, but I think it's kind of opened my eyes now, made me be a hope will be a little bit more aware in the future that people might be listening. Because at the time, had I thought that you guys were listening, I don't think I would have said anything different but i would have said it differently you know what i mean i, I yeah, would totally. have tried not to be as harsh as i was because I, I did listen back today and i was quite harsh and i apologize for that um and i just i want to thank you guys for calling me on it for confronting me on it for not being dicks about it um you, you know you know what pokey in my mind the true test of a person is not what they say it's the way they respond to to the yeah. conversation and you have you've demonstrated an amazing level of sincerity in in this and i think you it was honorable in the way that you've let us come on and talk about it and you've been you've been really cool about it so you know don't no no feelings have been hurt you know if you hadn't said that stuff we would never have this conversation this was a great conversation how it's been a lot of fun um so you know i certainly appreciate i know that the the fat man appreciates it as well so uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i would i would agree with that um wholeheartedly yes um hopefully we've given you some food for thought if nothing else Um, i'm gonna listen back and think a lot about some stuff (laughs) 
I will, I will point out that if you want to get me listening to your shows, given the limited time I have, the way to do it is not to record shows which are 36 hours long. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that episode was only five and a half hours. We cut it up. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but yes, um, thank you for um, taking some time to talk to us. Yeah, no, yeah. thanks a lot. And I know um, in, in the text here, for the listeners' benefit, in the text here, John O said he had to go. And he's got a meeting and he's got to go. And I, I just wanted to make sure I said that before he left. Um, so, you know, feel free to cut loose. And, and Ak, if you don't mind, would, would you mind staying on for just a, a couple more minutes? I had one or two more things, if I can recall them. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I'm happy to um, stick around for a little bit. I mean, I'm not too long because it is half past midnight. Right on. Okay. Uh, but, Sorry, uh, guys. And, uh, I, and I turned back into a pumpkin half an hour ago. Right, enjoy it's funny because me- it's true. Thanks, guys. Enjoy, enjoy your meeting, Baconio. Talk to you later. <laughs> Thanks yeah. a lot, John. <laughs> Bye. All right, so I guess uh, I've lost track of so many things. I should have been writing down <laughs> the whole time uh, that you guys were windbagging. Um, but one thing that... that kind of that I wanted to say and I wanted to say it early on um it, you know I started Linux out in like 2006 2007 time frame and I I picked up you know Lug Radio as a podcast then and just fell in love with it instantly I loved the show uh I loved the way you guys bounced off one another I loved the way you guys could take the piss out of one another and be happy about it um, I just thought it was a great show. I, and I went back and listened to every episode until I caught up. And then I listened until you guys finished. And you in particular were one of my early role models in Linux. And I've, I've always, you know, kind of taken with me that the things that you said then and the things that you, um, you know, brought to my mind and made me think about then. And at the end, when you... I don't know. It, it it didn't feel like you were just saying, I'm going to shut up about it, but keep doing what I'm doing. It didn't feel that way to me. Um, and through the conversation that we've had tonight, I, I don't think it is exactly that way. Uh, but what is what does that make you feel that that you've changed? I mean, I don't, I don't know whether you care that the, the 2004 ACK was my role model, but I'm not so sure that the the 2014 ACK is um, that which is fine um, I think to some extent that's because our views have grown apart and to some extent because your own views have matured to the point where uh, you are confident in how you feel at the moment the fact that we've just had an hour hour and a half conversation where you stood your corner defended your viewpoint is great um i suspect in 2004 if we'd had the discussion and you weren't sure then you'd have been less forthright less willing to stand by your opinion because you weren't as convinced of it um, sure um one of the things i i think having uh, gone back and listened um to that uh to the last bit of, of lug radio um some of it was a fit of peak more than anything else. Um, I think it was me saying, you know what? I've spent the last five years battling for people to care about freedom. No one cares. The hell with all of you, right? Um, I'll cut that's, off my nose to spite my face. But That's kind of what it felt like. Yeah, yeah. and to some extent, um, 
I'm confident that's what I was saying. I am semi-confident that that's how I actually felt, but it didn't stick. Um, I'm happy to hear that. I, 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 I have... I have found myself to this day, um, and pleasingly so, I feel uncomfortable if I step away from open source stuff to a large extent. So I felt slightly uncomfortable the whole year using uh, the iPhone. Um, And some of it was because I genuinely wanted to experience how the other half felt. Some of it was because the stuff about the the the, the triumvir earlier that I wanted to try of uh, a, a a a highly active, um, highly design motivated and beauty motivated community, even if that meant giving up on open source. Sure, sure, um, and I, I don't yeah, I don't think yeah, anyone can you know you blame know, you for dipping but, a toe but, in the water. Exactly, but I have felt. Um, to some extent, slightly uncomfortable the whole time I've been doing it. And there have been a number of occasions when um, I've had my view reinforced. Um, I mean, the examples, uh, stupid examples I gave earlier, like the fact that um, no different keyboard for you, and you've got to use iBooks to open PDFs and things like that. I found those things to be annoying precisely because I expect that sort of thing to be changeable by me and it isn't it's when i have an opinion about how i want to do something and the platform vendor has an opinion about how they want it to be done and those opinions differ and i can't fix it (laughs) to some extent i found i find frustrating but one of the ways my views have, have changed i think is that not even 10 years ago five years ago i would have said then your job is to get in there and fix the platform and now i think then your job is to find another platform which is more like what you want um one of the those are the two big, extremes ah well one one of the big arguments i had with and uh, not an argument um uh, discussion point I have with my my wife, my ex-wife now, um, and she convinced me of this was our views on the different reasons to elect a politician. I thought that what you should be doing is um, electing a politician who agrees with you in everything, and if the politician That's um, who gets who gets elected doesn't agree with you and everything, you should hassle them until they do. You should try and muster support for your thing. She said, "What you do is you look at those who are available to you on the menu, and you pick the one who is closest to your opinion." And at first, I wildly, massively disagreed with her, but I've kind of come down to her point of view on this, and I've done the same thing. I think with software, um, I find. Ubuntu to be closest to the way I think that a thing should work, and that's why I use it. Um, but uh, so I don't use Android because it doesn't think as closely to the way I think. Um, but if it doesn't, that's not the Android people's fault. And if I go to them and I say, but it doesn't work this way, they can say, well, you know what? We don't care about your opinion. And they don't have to. You know, they shouldn't feel obliged to care about my opinion. It's not incorrect that they're doing something different, even no matter how strongly I feel about it. They can say, well, we are plotting this course. We're not obliged to listen to you. Right. Um, 
the reason for building um, an operating system, uh, building a platform, should not be a distillation of what your users want. Right? Um, a politician should not be merely a mouthpiece for the majority view of his constituency. Well, constituency. there's, there's there, right? the analogy uh, breaks down mm. in that your choice that you're picking on the menu of, of politicians usually does not consist of more than, say, 10 rarely that many people and as it gets closer to election day it narrows down to two so your your choices are extremely uh, uh, narrow well, well, I, I mean i i to, to in be the clear, US, maybe britain's different. yeah I can say this is um, one of the reasons that this analogy is probably more appropriate to me than it is to you is that English politics is not the same as U.S. Okay. politics. Um, so, so yeah, ignore ignore the political analogy. Okay, yeah, because here, but, cause here but, in the U.S., I have written none of the above on more ballots than <laughs> I've ever well, voted yeah. for. Yes, any, any uh, and uh, and I'm not going to get into why I think U.S. Sure. politics is dreadful. Um, but I, I am the reason I think things like. It's a good idea that elementary OS exists. Is not because I want to use it. I think a lot of what they're doing is wrong. But I do not believe that what the way Ubuntu works should be decided by what the users of Ubuntu want. Um, I think it should be decided by whoever's actually making Ubuntu itself. And then if you don't if you disagree massively with those viewpoints, if you really don't like the way Unity works, then stop using Ubuntu. That's fine. Right? Um, if uh, elementary OS, as an example, yeah, I, right? I think there can I, be a compromise between what users uh, uh, want and what developers want yeah, to build. Uh, uh, and, and, and ideally, you know, you'd be a bit responsive to your users, absolutely. But equally, um, that flows both ways. Um, your users ought to be a bit responsive to your design direction. Rather than say, your design direction is wrong, do what we want. The answer should be, well, this is the way Ubuntu is going. If I don't agree with that, okay. Not a problem. I'll find something which is more in agreement with my viewpoint. At which point you go to Arch or you go to Linux Mint or you go to Elementary OS or you go to Android or you go to iOS or you go to Windows or the Mac or whatever. And I have no problem with that. I'm, um, that, and, and that's changed, but, um, I don't think that's. Uh, I think we should change about my views of software. It's changed about my view on the world, and software has just been a logical uh, outfall of that. That I am much more of the opinion that I'd rather have a a strong design goal in mind, and then have people choose which strong design goal they choose to uh, to ally themselves with, rather than to say, um, "Let's get people together, find out what they want, and then build that." Sure, sure. Um, now, in in the beginning of that answer, you talked about uh, the end of Lug Radio, where you kind of said, you know, stuff it to all of it, or, or I forget the exact words yeah. you just said there. What exactly, what pushed you over the edge, or what were the contributing factors in making that decision? Uh, two things. At I that think. time. I'm making yeah. the decision at uh, that time. Uh, 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 at that time, I think... There were two things, and 
I, I can't be wholly sure about this because I'm not reporting on what I think. I'm reporting on what I believe I thought some years ago. Of course, right. Uh, and, uh, and I don't exactly remember. So some of, the, some of this is memory and some of this is deduction. But the first, uh, and uh, interestingly, the two reasons I have are uh, possibly contradictory. <laughs> but, you know, that's the way it works. Um, the first one is that I'd... Uh, in my mind, at least, I'd spent years advocating free software and had got precisely nowhere. Now, in practice, that wasn't the case. Some people did listen. Um, I believe at least some of the things I said made a difference, whatever. Yeah, but, me for one. Yeah, but in general, um, my experience of saying to someone, you should be using free software, was that they then did not go on to do so. <laughs> I'm, it, it felt I'm like sorry I didn't bad. email you at the time and tell you that uh, 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 I was well, doing exactly that. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to help, but um, it wouldn't have helped enough, I don't think, that um, it felt like banging my head against a brick wall, that we were never going to get anywhere, no one bloody cared, and I didn't understand... I spent five years not understanding how anyone didn't see this with the clarity that I did. <laughs> um, and so I thought, well, the hell with it then. Why should I bother? Um, I'll just, I, you know, I might as well just go ahead and use what the hell I want. Why, why should I spend my time giving up, you know, making the sacrifices that I'm doing, spending five years without Wi-Fi, um, when no one bloody cares anyway, screw it. Now at least I'll get... Um, I'll get wireless in my laptop. Hooray. <laughs> um, but the second reason was that I think even then I started to become aware of the way that that kind of advocacy, my kind of advocacy, was viewed and that it was actually making the situation worse. And so I didn't want to be associated with it. And so stepping away from it, uh, that obviously making it clear that I'm that I wasn't that sort of person, um, felt better in my mind. I mean, um, uh, uh, to, to, to take an example, Jeez, I, I, man, now I now I feel terrible because I, <laughs> you know, I I should have, I could have, you know, emailed you at the time just to say thank you for you know, for your words and, and the things that you made me think about. And you weren't the only one, you know, I, I, I don't mean to say that, but you certainly were uh, an influence on me in my early uh, time with Linux and, and with free software oh, specifically. So now I, now I feel, I feel guilty that I didn't do that. And, and nah, keep in, keep in so, mind, so. had I, had I written a letter, I, I think the rule of thumb is for every, for every letter you get or for every email you get, there's a hundred more people who feel you know, relatively the same who didn't bother to write. So now I, I'm one of the hundred who didn't, and I feel like a shit heel. No, 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 not at all. Um, I like I said, the, um, the kind of mindset I was in at that point, um, successes wouldn't have weighed against the failures, I don't think. But and and as I say, I, I think a lot of that was a fit of peak and didn't last long anyway. And I have. I have moderated at least one of those views. I'm I'm now somewhere in between the two of those, and I am comfortable with where I sit. But I wasn't kidding about not wanting to be associated with free software advocacy because 
I don't. I think it's got such a bad name for itself that it's actually making the problem worse. <laughs> and yeah, that's, I, don't, I don't know if I can agree with that. Well, I, which I, I, you I know, know there I, are examples. I, I, I know there are examples, but I think there are counterexamples as well. I, I don't I, think it's a one-sided I, I, argument. I, I certainly. And I don't want to keep up all night doing it. No, no, no. I mean, I certainly agree there are counterexamples. You know, I think there are people who do do it well, but in general. After 35 years, we have not come up with arguments which convince the vast population of the world. And while we keep making the same arguments that we had before, other people have popped up and eaten our lunch, right? I mean, look at um, bug number one in Launchpad, right? Um, the problem was Microsoft dominate the world of computing, right? And that bug is now closed because Microsoft no longer dominate the world of computing. But the people people who've taken over wasn't us, and it should have been. It could have been us, right? But we don't know how to make an argument which says what we do is more advantageous to you, general public, than the alternatives because we're trading on the fact that it's open, which to a large extent, people don't care about. Now, either they don't care about it because we're not articulating it properly, or they don't care about it because they genuinely don't care about it. One of the reasons I support what Ubuntu's doing now is I, that if I they, think it's if, different. If, I think it's something different. I think it's okay. I think it's a much slower moving vehicle than that. I, you know, the the advocacy of free software, you know, perhaps not in the extreme examples that you know you find offensive, but just in talking to people, in having uh, a discussion like we're having here, it takes time. It, it You can't, you know, jump in in 2004 or 2005 and say, holy crap, look at this Ubuntu thing. It works pretty good. And then, you know, expect it to be... Uh, you know, taking taking the place of Windows when Vista comes out and fails. Now, it, yes, it should have. I agree with you. It should have on on uh, its technical merits alone. But if you're selling something on its technical merits, then there is no incentive for anyone to consider the freedom. And if you sell something on its freedom, and the people buy into it on that, there's plenty of incentive for those people to work towards. Uh, improving it technically, I, I just I don't I don't see that door swinging both but, ways. But but, but, you, but your argument there is that freedom is our unique selling point, our USP, right? And to some yeah, extent, it is. Of it but is. It, but but it's a USP that nobody wants to buy. Right? <laughs> We've spent I've spent ten years making this argument, fifteen years. Um, free software as a whole has been doing it for a third of a century, and we haven't moved one frigging iota closer to us we've I think got we have though i think there's a we, lot more people involved now than there were five years ago or ten years ago i wasn't here ten years ago so i'll say five yeah but there's also a lot more people involved in the wider tech community the the the, the group of people who use technology has grown yes and and open source has grown with it but we have about one percent of the market and we had about one percent of the market 10 years ago this, nothing has one, changed the one percent that we have now is so much more significant than the one percent that it used to be because the market has grown at at the edges of of age it's grown the younger kids now are are getting you know touchscreen devices at three four five years old they're getting phones at 
10 and 11 years old. Um, you know, and the same thing on, on the upper end of the scale, the, the older folks. Uh, now, for a kid, a young kid, they're not going to be able to understand freedom. It's not, it's not in their ability to comprehend it. Uh, you know, and, and for older folks, they, I hate to generalize here, but maybe they just don't have the time to care. Uh, but as far as the, the people, you know, high school kids, college kids, uh, professionals, that 1% is more significant than than the smaller percent that it used to be i massively massively disagree with you right the uh sony bring out the playstation 4 it sells a million in the first day yeah are we Um, calling the playstation 4 a general purpose computer uh, no, 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 no. My, my point is that these are people who are involved with technology who weren't involved with technology 10 years ago. Apple bring out the iPhone, people queue around the block for it. Ubuntu say, we're going to build a phone and it's all going to be open source and they can't get 40,000 people to sign up for it, right? What we've got is a community of people who work on the software, fine, no problem, and a community of people who like talking about it, but we haven't actually grown in power, we haven't grown in influence, and we're not actually making a larger proportion of people's lives better. Right? We are, the, the whole point of doing this is to bring the benefits of open source to everybody, but we're not doing that if, for every hundred people who become involved in technology at all, the same one of them gets involved in open source. I I understand what you're saying, but for every hundred people that get involved and the one is involved with open source, the other 99 are not the same 99 that they used to be. Ten years ago, the 99, the other 99 were professional business people. They were teachers. They were uh, people in government. They weren't eight-year-old kids there there our side may not, our one percent may not carry any more weight than it used to but their 99 carries less in terms of mind share now short carries just as much uh you know in sheer numbers it may even carry more in dollars because you know young kids don't seem to be uh very very frugal you know with with purchasing software and whatnot, but the people who have the ability to influence how these things work underneath and and how they can be taken advantage of, I think that particular demographic, that 1% that you're talking about, and, and I don't think it's 1%. To me, it feels like it's gr- that's grown as well, but assuming that it is the 1%, it's just as strong as it ever was. Did I lose you? Ah, no, here again now. Um, You did for a second there. You dropped off. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, What did you hear me, sir? Yeah, what was last uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you were, yeah, you were talking about the um how, how you think the 1% have um not necessarily more dollars, but you think they're more valuable in terms of influence. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to say that they're just the same as, as they were. That hasn't changed in the past... 10 years is what I'm saying. It's the other 99% of people, the other 99 people who get involved for every hundred, they don't 
I don't I don't think they're as significant as they were 10 years ago because now you're talking about kids uh I mean really you're talking about kids 15 oh, and under wow. I mean, Where, I, I, whereas I, I, you know 10 years ago the other 99 people were as I was saying business people um I am repeating myself I know but now I'm trying to repeat a few they 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 were business people all of them uh teachers people in, in government they were they were more influential then than that 99 people are now <laughs> this is this is fascinating we're looking at the same data and drawing diametrically opposite conclusions yeah, because we're I, looking at the opposite sides of the scale you're looking uh, at the side of the scale with the 1% on it and saying uh, this, no, this doesn't no, run no. any more than it used to and i'm looking at the the other side of the scale with the 99 people on it saying they weigh less ah no but that's the point i don't think they do um i think one of the triumphs of what we the wider technology community have done over the last 30 years is make people's lives easier with technology pick an example my daughter right is nearly 14 and she will never know never understand never even be able to conceptualize the experience of being lost right she's never going to be lost because she's grown up with a device in her pocket with a gps on it right we the technology community made that happen can she read a map um she wouldn't have a map if you don't know where you're standing, do you carry an A to Z with you wherever you go? Not at all. No, that's the point. That's what technology has brought. What, the idea that you never an a to Z? forget oh, uh, 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 an, an atlas of a town. Oh, yeah, I do, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yes, oh, really? Yes, absolutely. I, I carry a map everywhere. It's, it's, yes, I, I, maybe I, I know I'm weird in this. I'm a map okay, kind yeah, of yeah. person. Okay, so, right. Then, yes, then, <laughs> sorry. Then, then, then find your mental. Most people don't do this. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but that's an example of uh, how technology has entered people's lives in a way that didn't happen before. And I think the fact that people are now used to that is incredibly influential, much more so than kind of top-down hierarchical, we see this technology and therefore you have to start using it, which businesses and government and teachers do. The fact that technology has become an integral part of people's lives in a way that it wasn't a quarter of a century ago, I think that's a massive achievement on the part of the technology community. But I would have liked all that extra technology which entered people's lives to be more open source than it is. And our current way of trying to make it be more open source than it is, isn't working. So we should try something else. And someone else, Android, did try something else right they took open source and then built something great with it everyone's gone to it almost no one who's gone to android has gone that way because it is open source it's because they built a better product whether better in this case is because it's cheaper or because it's more available or because it does roughly what an iphone does for half the money or because it's actually better because it's got more apps or whatever doesn't matter it's better for most people which is why it's selling over half the phones on the market and then once they're there, you can then say, oh, and by the way, all this was made possible with open source. Isn't open source a good idea? And people understand that argument because at that point, they can see what it has brought them, not what it will theoretically bring them, what it has brought them already. No, I, and then, the, I gotta, and then they I don't want to give it up. 
when when you say to somebody, "Look what this Android thing does for you. This is the power of open source, the power of free software." That's not what they're looking at. They could give a shit about Android. It's the apps that they're installing, and very very few of those are going to be open source or are going to be uh, free software. Or I mean, mostly what you're talking about is Candy Crush and uh, you know the the uh, YouTube player and the youtube uploader you're not talking about free software anymore now now so you can't say to them look at what this is i don't even think that you can uh oh shit i forgot the other thing yeah no i mean i think i think that's that's a fair comment but we're not in the business of convincing people that everything they do has to be open source what we're doing is bringing the benefits of open source to them right and the fact that they have an open platform is helpful to them. Having open source apps, we haven't particularly come up but with it, a reason in, why that would be a good in idea. What way, in what way is it beneficial to them to for Android to be open source uh, as as opposed to iPhone, which is not? How does that help them? Um, be, because it's open in terms of mindset is what's more important than because it's open source um but that open mindset is at least partially driven by the fact that they are open source so the fact that you can install a bunch of extra keyboards on android is not strictly related to the fact that it's open source software but it is it is integral to the concept because they've gone into it saying um this stuff is built using contributions from other people. We are accepting of the idea that there are people other than us, the constructors, who might be able to make this better. Therefore, we'll build APIs to allow them to do so. We'll document it. We'll we'll take their changes and roll them into future versions. Most of yes, the people who you, bump their head into those constraints, though, just root the iPhone and change what they want to change anyway. I absolutely, absolutely disagree with you. I, I haven't rooted my iPhone. I haven't rooted my Android either, but it seems to be pretty popular with the people around me. Yeah, but that's because we're in a very, very, very tiny bubble. Android, right? No, no, I'm talking about no, I'm talking about civilians here, not tech people, not computer people. Um, I would be, uh, I would be shocked out of my tree. If I mean, Android gets what a million activations a day, or a million activations an hour, or something now. Right, and if you lined up those million I'll take people, your word for it. yeah, it's it's uh, it's some ridiculously high figure. Um, and if you lined up those million people and said, "How many of you plan on rooting your phone?" Um, if ten of them even knew what it meant, I'd be surprised. Okay, but if you said to the <laughs> same million people, "How many of you are interested in talking about your phone?" The the ones that put their hands up, they're going to root it. No, 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 I don't think so. So the rest of them is just a toaster oven? Uh, 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 yes, I mean, there are, uh, my parents, as an example, both have Android smartphones, um, and the, uh, my dad likes the fact that he can read his email on his, on, on his. My mum likes the fact she can play little games and send messages with Viber. <clears throat> and neither of them are, but, you know, uh, both of them have got probably 10, 12 apps, and, uh, but I think that's, that's fine. It needs to be a bit smarter than a feature phone. But it doesn't have to be the Nexus 4 running Ubuntu, or the Nexus 4 dual-booting Ubuntu right. and and Android. 
that I have sitting next to me right now. Um, agreed, right? Entirely. It's a, it's a toaster oven to a lot of people and that's fine. But there is a massive community of people who are not interested in rooting their phone because they don't want to fiddle with the platform. They're interested in talking about the games and the apps that run it. They're interested in talking about exactly. how, how, exactly. how, to, and, and how my... to configure it and how to work with it. But they don't want to... They don't want to change the platform. Exactly. To, and I would argue that those people are not the people attempting to change out their keyboard or their, uh, you know, whatever oh, interface no, that somebody there, puts there, over. There, there I, I, I disagree with you, you see. I think there is a massive community of people um, um, who who want to do things to Android. This, but like not, system configuration. Yeah, but not changing Android itself. They're not interested in code. They're not even programmers. They're power users. Right, right. Right? And the power users community is way bigger than the actually hack on Android community. But the the distinction between between Android and, and us is that our power users community and our actually hack on the platform community have historically been the same thing. Sure. And and if you try and separate them, some of the people who are really power users um, feel that they're being denied their right to hack on the platform, even though they, they're not really that interested. If you say, well, you can't do that anymore, it seems like they're being cut off from something. Right. And so there's pushback. Right. And, and that's those are the people I'm talking about. Those are the people who are going to root their phone anyway. Yeah, I just... I, I think that that separation um, of platform hackers and power users, them being two separate groups, is a good idea. It means that your platform makes faster progress because you're not constantly involved in fighting with your power user community who want the right to demand that it does different things and feel betrayed when it doesn't. That's the distinction between us and Android and iOS. And much as I, as I said earlier, much as I would like to believe that the way we do things is right, the fact that Android and iOS have both been created since Ubuntu was made up, let alone, um, you know, Linux distribution, since the Ubuntu OS was created, Ubuntu and Android have been created since then and have invented a whole complete different type of computing and have taken over the world and we haven't budged an inch, suggests that maybe we should say, let's take a tip from them. Yeah, you've said that a few times tonight and I'm still trying I to have. wrap my <laughs> brain around which which part you think we haven't budged about and which parts... Uh, which of their tactics is admirable. So I just, yeah. And, um, and, and, and which, you know, once those things are defined, you know, which of their admirable uh, tactics, you know, I, I could consider ethical or moral. So I'd someone have to wrap my brain around. I don't think I can keep up anymore. You're, you're, um, <laughs> you're, you're also uh, much more well-spoken than I am. You're, you're a lot better at, at, <laughs> um, coming up with these arguments and articulating them uh, very well, right on the spot. So uh, it's I'm I'm trying my best just to keep up, and you're <laughs> and you're you're out of voice. So um, uh, bear, bear bear in mind that um, when I said this has been a ten year journey to arrive at where I have arrived at, that's been ten years 
of thinking about it. So I have spent a certain amount of time articulating this sort of thing inside my own yeah, head. Yeah, and, 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 and having in the guts of it. The, the several yeah. times that you've said us, I got to step back and say, not me. I'm I'm barely a power user. I'm just a user. I cannot count myself in the group of people who, who you know, I'm not a programmer. I'm not a developer. I, I'm not a power user. I honestly am not. So I, I can't you know, claim to be part of that. I got to step back and, and beg off, but I appreciate you considering me an equal. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, we're, we're all one thing, right? Um, I am what I am because of who we all are. <laughs> right on. Um, boy, that sounds like a good line to end on, unless you've got more. <laughs> you got anything no, I didn't think to ask you? No, 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 no. I think, um, I, I, I believe I've articulated my viewpoint, whether anyone agrees with it or not. Um, uh, well, that's <laughs> um, something else which has changed is that now I'm uh, – if, if I'd have articulated my view in 2005 and people didn't agree, I'd have thought I must try and convince them because I truly believe I am right. And given that they're wrong, they will feel better when they understand things with the clarity and beauty that I do. And now I think I am comfortable in my viewpoint. And if someone disagrees, I'll just say, fine. You know what I think. You know the reasons that I think it. If you disagree with them, whatever, right? <laughs> um, I'm out of the game of advocacy because I'm no longer as interested in making other people feel as I do. But again, I don't think that particular point is to do with software. It's because I'm now 37 rather than 27. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier how it was frustrating for you to realize that people aren't seeing things with the same clarity. And, and that is a frustrating place to come from. It just, I don't, I don't know that I would ever expect people to see things as clearly as someone who's thought about these things. I can, I can certainly see expecting a person to do it, you know, especially if you sat down and spent time with them and that would, that would really, uh, give me a headache after bashing my head against that wall long enough. But when you said that you were frustrated that people didn't see it that way, I, I, uh, I almost thought it was a ridiculous point of view to have, but I could see being trapped in it, not knowing how to get out of it and being uh, frustrated, yeah. certainly being frustrated with it. That, that's, that's exactly the thing. I think, I mean, yes, to some extent it was a ridiculous thing. And the idea that, I should be able to make a difference on that larger scale is less important to me than it used to be. And as mentioned, I'm less full of piss and vinegar than I was 10 years ago, just because I'm older, right? I mean, I have a daughter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this sort of thing opens your eyes to um, uh, what actually is important and the idea of which side the launcher is on, not quite as vital. I didn't realize we were the same age. I, you said you're 37. <laughs> I thought you were a bit older than me. We're, we're the same age. No, uh, well, I, I should I should be 38 in eight days, but I'm still 37 for the moment. Yeah, right on. Okay, so you got a year on me then, but still. <laughs> but I got two more kids than you've got. I've got two, uh, two daughters and a son. I'm I'm happy with just the one, <laughs> and we're and we're tied in ex-wives, I believe. <laughs> I'm not necessarily sure I'd want to win that competition, to be honest with you. Yeah, you're exactly right. 
Well, it's it's been wonderful talking to you. You're a, a gentleman, and and Jono was as well, and I'm sure is still. I don't think things have changed that much in the past <laughs> hour. Um, you guys have been fantastic to talk to. Again, I appreciate you calling me out on my bullshit because uh, God knows the only thing worse than bullshit is is insisting on living with it, you know, because someone didn't call you out on it. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, and. And thanks for helping on Hacker Public Radio. Every every show helps. This this you know, and this show is going to be a good one and, and going to get a lot of listeners. I think. No problem. Thank you for inviting me on. No, you invited yourself. Don't. Uh, <laughs> you can't thank me for that. <laughs> that, that. Thank you for providing a little bit of space, which I demanded to use. I'll concede your point there. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I guess that's it. Just uh, say thanks again and and uh, good night. Excellent. Good night. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HPR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license. So, Pokey, is, is is are we recording now? Yeah, I'll just start recording. We can if we'll officially Ooh. start the show. I'll, I'll do an announcement, but uh, unless you don't want me to record yet, I can stop it. If no, no. no, no, that's fine. I, no. I, I didn't even know it did recording. Oh yeah, it does beautiful does, recording. Does, you can do multi-channel recording too, which is really nice. Is this just like built into Mumble? Or have you done a thing? Say it again. Is this just like built into Mumble? Yeah. Oh man, John, how did you know that? It turns out that Mumble may have evolved a bit since we last looked at it four years ago. <laughs> Mumble's pretty great. There's there's only like two or three things that I find annoying about mumble. One of them is that if you do a multi-channel recording, the, the, the tracks get out of sync and you have to manually, you know, add silence or remove silence to sync them back up as you're editing, which is not that big a deal if you're going to edit anyway. And the other thing that I, some people find annoying. I don't cause I prefer push to talk, but if everybody leaves their mic open the whole time, eventually you will get packet loss. You'll get, you know, packet errors, and the only way really to to clear it is to just key your mic off for a bit and stop trans trans right. and let everything catch up. Cool, yeah, it's pretty neat. I like this. <laughs> didn't 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 realize that. Yeah, um, I can say when we um, last time I used this was at Canonical, and either it didn't do recording or it did, and nobody knew about it. I can think of a few conversations it would have been quite useful to record. Actually, yeah, I. I... If it didn't, if it did it, no one knew about it because I. No, this is cool. I had no idea that it recorded. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, that is I, quite cool, actually. Nice. I believe it has done recording for as long as I've ever been using it, which it, it, uh, it's two, possible. three years.
it's possible I'm just thick. That happens from time to time. <laughs> uh, more often than you'd imagine. So. Ha! Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, yeah, um, we were saying while you were um, restarting Pulse Audio or whatever it was you were doing, <laughs> that um, I don't know quite how this is going to work, and Puggy was just about to explain. Let's go. Well, I had no plan. Um, I, I guess... Uh... Well, if you guys are ready to start, I'll just do the intro and we can start. Yeah, I mean, I, 